Are you easily distracted? Do you like to party? I hope so, because today on Late to the Party, we're talking about the 1989 movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. My name is Matt. I discovered that I am old at 41 years old and that there are people who are much younger than me who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about when I talk about the things from my youth. I am here with West and Sydney, the co-hosts of Late to the Party, who are much younger than I am. West, how old are you? I am 21, Matt, and I definitely never know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a consistent theme in my life. And Sydney, how old are you? I am 21, and in fairness, I don't know what a lot of people are talking about. That's <laughs> That's good. So we are improvisers and we're comedians and we look at the stuff that was formative 25, 30 years ago to see how it holds up today and if it makes any goddamn sense. And so this month we are talking about pretty much we can call it a Keanu Reeves movie because nobody knows who the hell the rest of these people are in this movie. At this point, Alex Winter did these movies and that's it as far as I know. To start off, they are terrible students and they are seems like they're regularly in trouble. I was a boring child. And the biggest trouble I think I ever got in that I can think of off the top of my head is when I was in grade school. I was playing around with a friend of mine who pretended like he was passed out. And to get him to wake up and move around because he was pissing me off, I was going to pretend to punch him in the stomach. I accidentally actually punched him in the stomach when he was laying on the ground. And one of the playground supervisors saw me, picked me up by my scruff, lightly spanked me. This was like fourth grade and like sent me to the bench, which was the place that you went when you were in the shit uh, during recess. The bench, the first school of public humiliation in my young life was definitely the dreaded bench. The bench. (laughs) And then I had to to go and talk to the principal about the incident. I mentioned when I was talking to the principal about it, you know, because it was a misunderstanding. Like, I didn't just gut punch my friend. I was dumb, and I it was an accident. That's that's the extent of my trouble. I didn't do anything malicious. I just, I accidentally punched somebody in the stomach because I'm stupid. <laughs> and I mentioned the fact that the playground supervisor had spanked me, and he was like, how, like, how did she spank you? Or that, you know, she had hit me. And I think, in retrospect, that he was looking for a lawsuit because he needed to talk to that person about what their discipline strategy was going to be and that it needed to include not hitting children on the playground Mm -hmm. is my guess. That would make a lot of sense. I think it was probably around that time that hitting students was finally going out of vogue. You know, as a parent, there's good things to that and there's bad things to that. You know, it cuts both ways. But so that's the biggest trouble I got into that I can think of off the top of my head. What trouble did you guys get into in school? I was a kind of a badass little kid. I don't know what my damage was from the time that I started going to school, but I just, I did not rock with it at any point in my entire life. I got in trouble for a ton of different things. I would weasel my way out of doing like as many assignments as possible. I remember in like first or second grade, we had these paperback workbooks where we would have all of the assignments for the year that we would do. And at like the middle midpoint of the year, I decided that if I didn't have the book, I wouldn't have any assignments to do, right? So (laughs) I just fully threw that book away. I was smooth sailing for quite a while up until eventually they caught on obviously like I didn't assume that they would and I had to do mm, six months worth of assignments in the last three weeks of my first grade year oh shit so that didn't work out very well most of my schemes as a young child did not unfortunately and then when I was sent to Catholic school for my second year of second grade I set up what was essentially a a kitty fight club behind <laughs> because it was Catholic school and I didn't have any friends and I didn't really have much else to do so me and a couple other kids would just meet behind the computer lab at recess and just pummel each other and attention and we did that for probably two years straight but the most embarrassing 
instance of getting in trouble for me, I think was when we were working on a project again in second grade, which was like, I guess just my worst year for me. Uh, and we were doing a project about compound word. And if you don't know what a compound word is, let me tell you, it is a word made up of two other words, like True. strawberry or Truth. football. All of my classmates had picked those words. And like for strawberry, they would draw a picture of a straw and a generic berry. Or for football, they were drawing feet and balls, which is really cutting it egregiously close to my project that got me in trouble. I picked the word hot dog and I wasn't the only one who picked the word hot dog, but I definitely had the most outside the box interpretation of the word. My drawing should have been a dog <laughs> and a picture of the sun, right? Like obviously that's what it should have been. But what I thought would be the most honest interpretation of the word was a golden Labrador in a pink polka dot bikini. <laughs> <laughs> a hot dog <laughs> and I was like I was eight years old right oh. I mean, it didn't even occur to me that that was wrong <laughs> I wasn't, it wasn't until the teachers oh. told me it was gross which by the way ow they didn't have to say gross they could have just said they didn't have to like shit on my art like that that i even realized that it was inappropriate and i was scolded for this only because the principal saw it hanging up in the hallway but who hung it up there miss short whose fault is it really i sure as shit was not allowed to use the stapler unattended so riddle me this why was it my fault that the principal saw my furry oc when you <laughs> In your defense, that is the rightest answer. <laughs> exactly. And to this day, I do not trust authority because of that. My parents went to Catholic school, and I think it's from my dad. Good story that they have is when the nuns accidentally taught them a lesson because there was a snowball fight, and that was absolutely forbidden. This was in, in Michigan. But nobody knows who was involved in the snowball fight, so the nuns line all the kids up, and they're like, who was in the snowball fight, step forward. And so a handful of kids step forward and the nuns fucked those kids up and the rest of the kids oh. knew you'd never admit to anything ever. Like that was, no. that, was that day's lesson. <laughs> oh my God. The origins of snitches get stitches. Right? <laughs> Luckily, by the time that I was in Catholic school, nuns were a thing of the past. We did not have nuns in our school. We just had very, very old women who probably were nuns, who, I don't know, broke Amish in a sense. Right. And we're now just there hanging out. Still mean. Still very Still fucking mean. <laughs> Sydney, what did you get up to? So I was... A little bit of the opposite. I was what they were calling a good noodle. I um, I never got in trouble ever in my whole history of school except for this one time. And I need you to picture this as a war movie. Oh it won't work otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so all the good noodles got to go on a reward trip for... I think it was the eighth grade reward trip for the end of the year. And we got to go to Worlds of Fun and we got to stay there for a few hours. We just had to be back at a certain time. And Worlds of Fun is an amusement park in case we have non-Kansas, Missouri right. listeners. <laughs> so we split off into groups. This was like our first time on our own. We just had to be back like, let's say six o'clock. So it's getting towards the end of the day. It's like 5.50 or something like that. My group wanted to ride one more roller coaster because there wasn't any line to it. So we're just like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll just have to run back to the meeting point. So we ride the roller coaster. One person in my group decides that they don't want to run. And I, being the great friend that I am, decided to stay back with them. So picture this, it's sunset, right? I'm telling the kids, you go ahead. I'll stay behind, go for it. <laughs> I'll stay behind with them. I'm trying to push this girl. I'm like, run with me. Come on, run with me. And she goes, oh, I, I can't. I can't. I don't I don't think I can run. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, because I have flat feet. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> run anyway. <laughs> so I'm like dragging this girl. I'm literally dragging her by her hand. And I'm telling her, we are going to get in trouble. <laughs> This is going to ruin my reputation as a good noodle. We need to go. 
And so we finally make it. We make it back at like 6.10. And my mom, she was chaperoning. So she was pissed off off she wouldn't even look at me all the teachers were crossing their arms and i i'm just i'm standing there like i'm at one of those like lineups with the you know where they're about to shoot people right i'm like i'm i'm keeping my chin up because i'm like i was a good friend i didn't abandon my team so i will die a martyr i will die a martyr this is eighth grade Cindy. this is eighth grade Talk about what a cop out saying I can't run because I have flat feet is. Yes. So I get detention, but this is the best part. There is about five to six of us. So I wasn't the only one late. And we decided that we were the breakfast club because there was only six of us. And it was like the last day of school. Was there six people in the breakfast club or five? I don't know. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Somewhere like that. They decided, though, that I was going to be... The weird girl with the dandruff. Allie Sheedy. The basket case. I was the basket case. Right. Even though I was the good noodle. Well, yes. everybody's got to do. Was Molly Ringwald on like Adderall in that movie or something, or am I just superimposing other <laughs> stereotypical teenage I think, comedies? I think you might just be putting that on her subconsciously. Too much community. That is my wartime movie. Story. Yeah, when you're a good noodle, the worst thing is getting in trouble. Like, it's not even the trouble. It's just like, so you do dumb shit so you don't get in trouble. It's, you know, like the tell mom you're fine thing when there's like a fork sticking out of their arm or something like that. Like, you're fine. You're fine. You're okay. And I feel like if you had abandoned that poor flat-footed girl, you may have ended up in more trouble because she would have been all by herself at an amusement park. That's what I'm saying. Although that same flat-footed girl, she would always carry a bag of sugar with her, just like a plain bag of sugar. And then when we went to the bag Like granulated sugar? Yeah. And then we went to the bag check. She leans over to me and she goes, God, I hope they don't think this is cocaine. Like... uh (laughs) Oh, eighth graders. Yes. I've heard of a lot of affectations to adopt in middle school, but just carrying around a bag of sugar is a new one. I gotta say. (laughs) Props to her. Very original. You two previously had no involvement with Bill and Ted in any shape or form. Is that right? Correct. I did have one instance of it where my mom was watching it and I walked in on her watching it and it was the part in the future when they're doing the guitar thing. Okay, and right. I was like, what the hell is this? And I just walked <laughs> in. <laughs> Can't abide this bullshit. <laughs> exactly. What are your 10,000 foot level, what are your initial reactions to this movie? Well, I immediately was overwhelmed with a mix of feelings at a 22-year-old Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters, I guess, at the one point in his life where he was hot. (laughs) And I did love that. I was a big, 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 big fan of that. Immediately, right off the bat, I'm adopting them as my new fashion icons. (laughs) You will see me as soon as we're allowed to go outside again. You will catch me in the rolled up sweatpants with high tops and a bright orange hoodie wrapped around my waist. And a vest. Can't forget the vest. Oh, yes. Oh, the vest. I almost don't think I could pull off the vest in the way that Keanu was Well, Wes, and you're a fan of the himbos. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes. And I himbos is the perfect word because the whole time I was watching it with my roommate and we were both, despite her being a lesbian, we were both absolutely in love (laughs) with these two wonderful, sweet, good-intentioned himbos. All they want to do in the world is just play their sick, sick music for the masses and... They just don't want to study. And I get it. All right. I threw away a year's worth of assignments yep. just so I could color and draw really detailed maps of the city because apparently that was my thing <laughs> in second grade. I get it. Okay. I relate. They are to the them. human embodiment of puppies, pretty much. So sweet. Oh, the amount of times I said <laughs> off while watching this. It was- it was so touching to me i loved every second of this movie from the beginning of the movie to the 36 minute and 12 second minute mark all the way to the 36 minute and 14 second minute mark to the end of the movie except for the two seconds in the middle of those two marks that made me say what the fuck yeah i know you're i definitely know your hiccup there i think we all know which one i'm talking about it's one word oh yeah sydney what was your initial reaction to the movie as a whole 
when I asked my mother about this, she would always describe this as the dumbest movie in existence. I I disagree. I've seen dumber yeah, movies. Yeah, I can. Yeah. But there's a there's a slight little hiccup. I dated a guy that has the exact personality of these two guys mixed together. <laughs> and I could not stop seeing Oh god. Him. Was this a traumatic experience for you then? A little bit. It brought back some vivid flashbacks <laughs> of like reliving a lot of pictures. Exactly. It's like us in a museum and he would look at a, a, a painting and he'd go, that's a gnarly painting and do like some air guitar. <laughs> I can say, I don't think I've ever met or interacted with a person who truly unironically does air guitar. <laughs> They're sweet, but they are constant. It does not turn off. They are well-meaning. He was very well-meaning. Very nice kid. That's the nicest outfit. Sydney's just watching this movie going, fuck Ted, focus. Just focus. <laughs> Come on. It's Napoleon. Somebody, somebody prescribe him Ritalin. Come on. Stop calling them babes. <laughs> The They're the ADHD-est or ADD. I'm not sure which one it would be. <laughs> they have the attention span of an easily distracted gnat. They are. And I was yeah. just like, fuck, Ted, focus on one goddamn thing. It was bringing back so many memories. <laughs> well, I can't remember when exactly I saw this movie. I just remember it was one of those things that, you know, everybody in our age group had seen. It was a touchstone. There are some things in the movie that I'm wondering if they like, is there anything that you saw that didn't make sense to you in terms of like a time capsule standpoint? So like looking at it from like this being 1988 in the world of the movie where you were like, what? I have a point that I was very confused about. It was towards the end of the movie when they were like, okay, remember to do this. Like, remember to put these keys under this sign. Remember to drop a trash can right now. How, okay, we've been following these guys for a good hour now. How would they remember to do that if they're oh. such, like, puppy-looking, shiny thing over here, butterfly right, right. over there? Because I'm the same way. I'm the exact same way, and I already forgot to put the keys under the <laughs> sign. I would need a written note, but they're just like, remember to do this. Oh, great, we remembered. And then they don't show it. They don't show the after effect of them remembering to do right, it. Right, it just, just, it like, just You just gotta happened. do it. Well, the trash can was the best one, because the other stuff they could just leave there, but then with the trash can, like, where the hell did that trash can from come from? They're just like, remember trash can? They're like, yeah. And then the trash can appears. Like, nobody dropped it. They didn't see it on the ceiling before. It was just, oh, yeah, tra trash can trap. Also, at the end of the movie, they don't, after the report, go back and do those things. It's definitely not No, that's shown understood. Or yeah, yeah. Again. So it definitely seems like they do forget to I do I mean, it. they have the rest of their lives to do those things in their defense. They could do it whatever. Yes. That's true. They could do it literally any time. Right. Also... Why did they give themselves a two-hour deadline? Because they have a time machine. They Couldn't they have literally, like, done it? Okay, I'm breaking my brain here. That was the bit, rule but... that Rufus gave him in the beginning, is that the clock was always running in San Dimas for whatever reason. I mean, because they needed to have a time limit. Otherwise, they could just go back in time over and over until they disappear all the way up their own butts. But, yeah, that yeah. was just running. One thing that I did really enjoy about this movie as a time travel movie is that they kind of don't give a shit about the actual rules of time nah, travel. they're not worried about it at all. Uh, they just kind of do it for fun. And I enjoy that because once you start to get into all the paradoxes of time travel, that's when I lose interest. I just want to see two handsome, nice boys, respectful boys, except for when they said that one really homophobic <laughs> right. word. And just just bouncing around, bopping around the time space continuum, having a good right. old time. And that are I'm you too familiar with George Carlin, for example? No. Yes, I am. But it wasn't until the end of the movie when I was looking at the IMDb page that I realized that he was Rufus the entire. So you time. didn't recognize that he I was guess, George Carlin until you actually I read think, the words I George Carlin. And I was like, oh shit. Look. 
Yeah, he was. You know what? Now that you say it, yes, he was. Yes, he was in that movie. I'm, I'm not familiar with him. He is a huge comedian. I highly recommend you find the stuff from the 70s and 80s is the best. But one of the bigger things that he had was this list of words that he would do as part of a routine that are the seven words that you're not allowed to say on the air. Uh, and they're like yeah. cunt motherfucker. He, he has a whole routine built around it. He's the cornerstone for a lot of comedians that our guests would be like around my age or a little younger or like a little older than me. Uh, he was a huge, huge stand up. Yeah, I do remember learning about him from my mom's ex-husband. He introduced me to a lot of the comedy that I still like. Apparently, when they were casting for the movie, they wanted to get somebody more serious like Sir Sean Connery. <laughs> and they I ended up far left of Connery all the way right. in Carlin. I think that that is for the best. I think now that I knew that it was him, nobody could play Rufus right. like that. That's a perfect You character. guys seen Phone Booths in the Wild anytime recently? I have. Never. Never once in my life. <laughs> I saw one and it wasn't working. So my mother and I, we decided to have a photo shoot next to it where I pretended to talk on the phone. <laughs> and like I posed sweet. and it was wonderful. It was my first photo shoot. So phone booths have effectively just become a prop. For, <laughs> right. For all of that was it. At one point they go and hang out in the mall. Was hanging out in the mall part of your adolescence in any way, shape or form? Oh, most certainly, yes. I was what you would call a, a mall rat. Uh, only after I was what you would call a library rat, which, for whatever reason, the kids who hung out at the library in my hometown got into infinitely more trouble than the kids who hung out at the mall. Because at least the mall had police. Yeah, well, we talked before that that was where the juggalos hung out, at the library, of all places. Yes. That's where they chose to congregate, and that's where I learned about uh, smoking weed for the first time. Right. But I will say, the mall, or more specifically, the movie theater next to the mall in the hobo hut behind the movie theater next to the mall, is where I had my first kiss, which is incredibly romantic. Super romantic. <laughs> Fun fact, by the way, I got called a juggalo the other day. <laughs> Okay, well, now we have to talk about that. Why that happened? So, I got a dating app called Hinge. One of my pictures on there was a picture of me going to a horror convention. Uh -huh. And it was just a black and white abstract makeup. And on Hinge, you can, like, send uh, messages to them. And a guy goes, are you a juggalo? And I replied my best, most hopeful way, no, but I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee whiz, if only I could get in there. They don't want someone as nice as me. not a part of their club. <laughs> I'm not hardcore enough, unfortunately. <laughs> Too much of a good noodle. Anyways, here's a picture of me dressed as Jason. <laughs> Next best thing. Next best thing. Yes. <laughs> as for the mall, though, I used to go to the mall all the time as a kid, but I would go to the, the Great Mall, which was a dime Oh, right, mall. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's gone now. But all yep. of the shops were closed except for a pet shop, a Sears, and the movie theater. So it was my friends and I. We felt so cool because we were like, there's always like a little amount of people at the mall. So we were like, this is our territory. This is right. where we go. This is our hangout, guys. This is our hangout. We're really wild in the mall. Uh -huh. And I, my hometown had two malls and the first one was basically defunct the only thing that was in it that i even remember from the time when i was very young was a snow cone store a place where you could get custom vanity plates and then across from that was the dmv which you know <laughs> a mall was on its last leg when the dmv moved right and now the mall that was the mall where everybody hung out when i was a teenager just recently got foreclosed right. on so now we have two dead malls for all of the 14 year old boys to do parkour right. in. Nice. Cause when I was a, when I was a kid, God, there were at least two or three malls that were within ready access. And this was the heyday of malls. So. I was going to say that was the height of popularity for malls. You were right there in the sweet, the sweet yeah. spot where all the malls were happening. Sabaro was still, you know, on its cover. Yeah. Cinnabon <laughs> arcades. It was, was where it was at, man. It's all See, gone now. More recently, I used to work at the mall, and I 
only stopped working about two years ago from there. I can tell you with full assurance there are still t- little tween age kids going around. I worked at a uh, discount Hot Topic store that sold the cat ear hair headbands, right? And the t-shirts with like a dinosaur that's like, I can't reach the top shelf. One of those right. kind of stores. And I saw a lot of younger versions of myself because they would wear the... <laughs> The blue eyeshadow with the cat ears and, you know, stuff like that. The the good days. Remind you of your 13-year-old self. See, I was the kind of kid that would wear the mustache necklaces, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. Uh, you, you are so blessed to have You're just that. running the discount Hot Topic, like, see your future kids. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, stare into your own Buckle up. <laughs> this is what a week. Just like, ah, kid, you'll learn one of these days while I'm taking a drag from a candy cigarette. (laughs) I also was employed at the mall incredibly briefly at a photography studio across from a buckle. So all of my days were spent watching people walk in and out of (laughs) a buckle. Matt, did you ever have a mall job or something similar to one of those stereotypical? I didn't. Jobs? I had a paper route and then I worked in a blockbuster, which is, again, a time capsule right there for oh, a little absolutely. while. Actually, one of my managers at the blockbuster turned out to be a sexual deviant criminal that I learned a couple months after I. Uh, yeah, he was um, he was taking pictures of his genitals and leaving them around town and oh before yes Snapchat. well i mean this was back in the 90s so you know sexual deviants had to make do with whatever they could and uh, i guess he was flashing people in the library but yeah to be fair when i hung out at the library i think stuff like that was probably <laughs> still going on it was a very shady library for no but reason. yeah that was my and i worked at a i worked at a big box computer store for a little while but i was spared actually working inside of the mall just you know other time appropriate adjacent jobs uh, this was apparently this movie was considered to be Alex Winter's summer job because it was his first summer job because he was still, I want to say like 20 years old when the movie okay. was being shot and he was studying at Tisch at the time. So this was just kind of like his after school gig. Just go film one of the best movies that West Evans has ever seen. <laughs> right. What, what was he studying? Do you know? I think he was Tish is yeah, in it art is. school, right? Let's cut out the part where I yeah. don't know what Tish is, but I, I'm pretty sure he was studying okay. to be an actor, okay. which worked out really, really <laughs> well for him. In all Hope he gets points on the back in. end. To be fair, okay, so we did say that we think that this is the only movie he has been in that is untrue. He was also one of the vampires in the last Oh, okay. uh, Which I was really excited to find out about because I also love that. To talk about specifics for the movie a little bit as we look at it point by point, you know, it's about Bill and Ted and the excellent adventure they have because they are a a couple of high school idiots who should probably be taking some kind of prescription medicine to help them focus. Absolutely. And uh, they have a band called Wild Stallions, even though they don't know how to play their instruments. Do either of you know who Eddie Van Halen is? Yes, I'm familiar. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think that he's, a, he's a prominent enough figure that at least we know mm-hmm. of him and have maybe heard. I think it's great that some. George Carlin is a whiff, but Eddie Van Halen is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that guy. <laughs> But my dad was a homeless punk in L.A. in the 80s. Okay. So uh, you know that he was playing that for me, uh, uh, rocking me to sleep. That'll that'll do it. That'll do it. So we're introduced to Bill's stepmother, Missy, who, if I'm not mistaken, is only three years older than is. Is that right? Yes. She was a senior in high school when Bill and Ted were freshmen in high school, which is super, super cool (laughs) to to have to take orders from someone who could have basically been your proctor at school (laughs) right kind of but like she's embracing being bill's mom but also not embracing being bill's mom feels a little flirtatious there right i think it is referenced at some point in the movie that ted did ask her to prom when he was that's right grade (laughs) 
And she clearly had something going on with their history teacher as well. A very bold choice, I have to say. Yeah, because early on, they're like, oh, it's for so-and-so's class. And she's like, oh, say hi to him for me. And then at the end, when she shows up to their oral presentation, she like, she nuzzles right up to him. It's like, hey, and he's like, hey, like, it's... Oh, it's right on that line, but it definitely seems like uh, I don't know how she got her A in this class. Mm -hmm. Seems mighty suspicious to me. Yeah. Can we also talk about that scene where they're both ogling her and like Keanu like kind of leans over and goes, that's your mom, dude. (laughs) I'm sure Bill will literally never hear the end of it. That oh, his yeah. mom is three years older than him. Because they're giant puppies, I just like how Ted is like, that's really interesting. That's his whole thing. It's not, that's gross, or like, that's awesome. It's just like, that's a thing. Like, that's, that's happening. That, that's factual, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's Ted's position on it. Did you notice that when they're studying and she brings in the sandwiches, that she burnt the shit out of those sandwiches? Uh- I noticed immediately that when she picks up one of the sandwiches, one side totally black and the other side looks completely uncooked. Yeah. (laughs) She really just slapped it on there, let it melt the cheese thoroughly and called it a day. Was it supposed to be grilled cheese? Is that what it was? I think so. Well, I mean, that was her intent, it seems like. I mean, when I was a senior in high school, that's practically the only thing I could cook. So I totally understand. I, for one, am a sucker for jokes that don't draw attention to themselves. So something like that, where you could not have noticed it. Like I, in seeing this movie before, that never registered. Mm -hmm. But this time, you see, and I saw it before, I think Bill smells one of them at some point, because he's like, what the fuck is this? But I noticed it before that. I was like, she burnt the shit out of those things. Beautiful woman cannot make a grilled cheese to save her life. And then it's really questionable as to how much she's into this relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Is Bill's dad really rich? Because like he gives him 20 bucks and says, go study somewhere and then creepily closes the door behind them. And, and sh- Bill just takes it. He just <laughs> accepts that this is a thing that well, is happening. My parents are going to fuck in my bedroom. What do you do in that situation? Do you say... Mom, father, please don't. Mom, you know. daddy, please don't. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> Only three years older than him, and she has the look of somebody who has super mixed feelings about what is about to happen. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Well, how old is Bill in this? Is he like 17? I don't think they're seniors because they're not graduating. They're trying to stay in school and not get sent Mm -hmm. to military school. I think that they're supposed to be juniors in this movie. Yeah, that sounds about right. So that's like what, like 17 then? 16, 17. Yeah, thereabouts. So she, Missy would be like 19, 20 tops. Oh, super cool. Can't even drink. Mary, <laughs> that's that's literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> I mean, his dad's got to have like a really great personality, right? Or just like very funny, and we don't get to see it. I mean, he seems like a much cooler dude than Ted's dad because Ted's oh, dad, yeah. yeah, is a giant asshole. But we don't get enough of a peek into Bill's relationship with his father. Other than the very telling scene of him not caring that he's about to doink in his son's bed. Right. (laughs) I like that terminology, doink. Doink. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say what we're all thinking now. Do it. Do you think it's a a bedroom thing that they're together? That it's like a, oh, oh, okay. I thought you were saying like an exploratory fetish for having sex in other people's beds. But no, I do think that it's because his dad has big business. <laughs> That's the most gentle way I could put it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that makes sense. He's got to have big bank account, big business. <laughs> got the two. Good personality. That's Those are the three strikes of <laughs> catching a bride right out of high school. But also, I was, I don't know if this is information that comes from the sequel afterwards, but I was reading in her little blurb that she has on their wiki fandom page. She has three ex-husbands. What? So, I don't know if it's like from the time she was 18 until now that she's 20, she's just like once a year switching it up. 
I really hope Bill's dad is one of them, and it's not Bill's dad is not number three because. <laughs> Honestly, Jeez. I hope he's number three because that girl can get it. Good for her. She's living her best life. I can appreciate that. Well, and clearly she's got her own business going on because it's not in sandwich making. <laughs> what does she do? Like, is she just... She's a housewife. She doesn't yeah. have to do anything. She just, you know, she puts on her cute little radio headphones and breaks the grass. I think it's the one chore that I saw her doing. <laughs> she is the woman I aspire to be when I get older. <laughs> There it is. Yeah. That's all I need. I'm to already say. older than her, but <laughs> <laughs> she's a she's ahead of younger. Me that's what I need to catch up. <laughs> yeah, that's the defining trait. She's younger than I. <laughs> <laughs> she's younger than me, and I need to catch up to her. Damn it! <laughs> and they have been charged with needing to pull out all of the stops for their final oral report that is presented to the entire school for the grade for their history class. Because that seems like something that kids totally would sit for for an entire day is oral reports from their fellow peers. They're the saviors of the future. And the people from the future decide the best way to take care of this is going to be to send them a time machine completely unsupervised because that's the best possible plan they could think of. So they send George Carlin back and his future gear and his badass sunglasses to loan Bill and Ted a time machine. Because it would have not worked as well if they had been supervised. They decided to just let a group of eighth graders loose in a world of fun and right. see what right. happens. It's the best possible plan. Yep, absolutely it was. <laughs> they accidentally kidnapped Napoleon. I will say that I think it's a nice touch that they didn't try to pretend like these various historical figures from various parts of time would be able to understand English if they probably wouldn't have been able to understand yeah. English. They let the language barrier be a thing, which is nice. That was probably the most historically accurate part of the attack movie. <laughs> true, Although, true. did Freud speak English? I don't know. I think he spoke some English just because at that point in time, people were traveling from Germany to America a bit. Nobody who knows their shit check me out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he could speak a little. <laughs> so I said that I think one of the shining moments of this movie is when Bill and Ted talk to themselves. As a fan of high concept science fiction, Bill and Ted's interaction with versions of Bill and Ted a couple hours from now was some of the snappiest stuff of the movie. I thought that interaction between Bill and Ted, between Bill and Ted, was some of the lightest stuff. It had the highest energy, pretty much, of anything because they're just feeding the energy back to each other. Yeah, that's a very good point. I like that quite a bit. I like the use of the reconnecting a couple of hours later to remind them to do something. I like winding the watch and then being like, wait, but you still forgot to wind the watch. You got to tell them again. And then they immediately forget. And that's just totally on point. Being like, yeah, do that thing. Yeah, man, do that thing. Okay, yeah, I bet. What? <laughs> I like that he doesn't remember to wind the watch, but he remembers to hit on the princesses, though. Like, I see where his priorities well, are. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, because they're, they're babes. That's fair. So they end up going to medieval times just for the sake of going to medieval times. They don't even have somebody in mind. They're just hitting random phone numbers as one did in the 80s when you were bored to land in various places. And then there's the unfortunate incident that West alluded to earlier where they oh. they infiltrate a castle and one is presumed dead and then is not dead. And then upon le learning that, they embrace in relief and promptly call each other a homophobic slur. Yes. But, 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 I will give them one pass, and I'm gay, so I'm going to give them one gay one pass, pass. One gay pass. They can sing it, <laughs> because it was the 80s, and I really like this movie otherwise. That's, it's, yeah. It felt so out of character for them, though, because they just, they, right? they felt, oh my god, my jaw hit the floor when it happened, because it was so far out of left field. I was like, these, these sweet, innocent himbos just... Drop the F slur so fast. Yeah, and it's it's weird. I mean, this is the second time we've had this, and both were in movies that were aimed to a younger audience. Like, I don't know well, if that's what they 
thought that that, the younger audience wanted or what there was john candy was probably should have been on some kind of list as an offender in splash but uh but we didn't you know we've got ninja turtles and this movie now with just blatant homophobia i'm surprised i turned out how i did frankly to be fair when my dear friend who we're both women but we consider each other to be brothers when we hug we have almost the same reaction (laughs) it's the only reason why i can let it slide because i get it all right I get it. Sure. So far to left field, you almost wish that they would go back and George Lucas just those two seconds from this move. Like, they could even have the reaction just to be like, oh, hold on a second. This is a bridge too far, man. But then they they move on. They, They move forward from that. That fortunately, it doesn't become a, uh, a trend in this movie. They go and they hit on the princesses and escape capture where they go to collect a bunch of other historical figures and transplant them into 1988, where they promptly lose them. What did you guys think of the of the madcap hijinks in various time periods and the interactions with these historical figures? I will say I enjoyed them all. But I do think they could have taken a little bit more time to play around in the spaces that they were creating for each time period. Specifically, I think that they squandered an opportunity with the uh, scene with Socrates because even before they had gotten to ancient Greece, my roommate and I were talking about how Alex Winters at that young age rears such a striking resemblance to like Greek statues. Oh he's yeah. Got, like, got very Greek features. He's got the curly hair. He looks truly he looks, he looks like, like a cherub. Um, yeah. He's like Alexander it's the Great. Beautiful. They could have used that. Yes, he looked beautiful. And I just wanted to see, I don't know, one instance where he steps out of the phone booth and everyone just drops to their knees and they're crying because he's so gorgeous. Right. And he's standing next to a statue of Alexander the Great and he looks so good. And they missed it. They missed it. Yeah, it's, that is the periods that they spend time on don't really end up being all that spectacular. Because like the Wild West thing, they do the Wild West, they do medieval, but they don't pick any, up anybody. They just damage the time machine. And then they hang out for a couple minutes in Socrates' time period in ancient Greece before they kind of like smash through the rest of it and pick up a bunch of other stuff. Is the uh, is the the Genghis Khan racist? I'm pretty sure it's racist. Well, what was the what was the ethnicity of the um, actor playing? I think the guy playing him is Asian, but I don't think that that's like that's a very that feels like a very white version of who Genghis Khan was. Yes, it seems like a very Eurocentric understanding of the Mongolian time period. Right. But considering the rest of the inaccuracies, I don't know if it was intentionally to whitewash it. I think it was just that they didn't care about accuracy lightest at all right yeah because they needed somebody to mix it up like who's just gonna come in and fuck some shit up like who's gonna be the most likely person to do that yes in all fairness though he's not known for being the most peaceful person in the world you know no yeah but he's not yeah historically speaking he's not necessarily a great guy yeah i just have to say the one part of that sequence that perturbed me the most was the going from eating a big thing of turkey to kissing a woman straight on the mouth. That did make me throw up in my mouth a little bit because that was just unpleasant. Do people switch gears that fast? I don't think I can switch gears that fast. I certainly cannot, but I guess if you're riding the high of pillaging a village, (laughs) you just want all the stimulants you can get in in, in as short a time period as possible. Right, all at the same same time. I don't know. One looks really close to offensiveness to be fair i can't get that i can't go from eating to making out with someone because i don't have that kind of status or power (laughs) i just don't know know. that a big dick energy move just (laughs) oh absolutely i feel like i could get away with it i just have to be like really like i don't know i feel like i'd have to i i feel like i could do it i just need the power i got the charisma for that I like it. <laughs> Confidence is a big part of being able to pull that one off. You got to commit to it or you you know, just be like, you smell like garlic. Like that's. Yeah, I've been known to conquer a few cities in my time, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. And we're happy to meet you. 
I am a fan of high concept science fiction bullshittery. And so I really liked the Marvel caliber time heist that was going on near the end of the movie, where all of a sudden they called back to those missing keys and just suddenly explained that with the breakout from the jail. That was a really good connection. Uh, and I thought that whole thing was a bunch of fun where they were like, let's just, yeah, let's uh, let's go back in time. And they didn't, and the best part was they didn't try to explain it. They didn't try to show it. They didn't try to do anything else with it. They just, they just went to sweet, straight to science fiction bullshittery. Like we're, we're stuck. Let's just go steal the keys, man. Yeah, we'll put them right here. Here they are. What a coincidence. <laughs> It's a perfect example of show, don't tell, because it would have just been such a waste of momentum for them to go into any more detail than that. Right. And it fits the theme of being himbos, I feel like, so well. Right. Because it just works out for them. Right. I also, I really, really got to give props to the writers for, I think, making the slightest nod at Joan of Arc being gay. Did they? Mark? Maybe I'm the only one who picked up on it. I don't know. What? Maybe it's because I wanted it so badly because the actress who plays her was so cute. And she's I super cute. But there was just the scene. She's watching the girl do her like aerobics workout routine. And it's very subtle, but she does a little lip bite. And I don't think that lip bite <laughs> is because she's super into working out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember that. I definitely remember that. I don't know. I interpreted it as her seeing this lady in power and she kind of wanted to take over that power, you know? That was what I was going to ask. Yeah. Was that Joan of Arc like taking her army? Because all the other things made sense for what their respective characters were. Guys, can I just have this? I mean, I, I oh, don't yeah, blame definitely. you. I don't blame you. Can Joan of Arc be She lived the aerobics <laughs> teacher. She's my favorite that aerobics teacher had a rockin' bod. To be a, to stay on topic of villain Ted, it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> to, to adopt the lingo. I did deeply feel the scene in the food court with Billy the Kid and Socrates where Freud at, shows up and accidentally cock blocks him. <laughs> With the, oh with the girls who are at the... Uh, I felt that on a deeper level than I probably should have. All of the embarrassment that was That's going on. Yes. Future babes. That's gotta hurt, man. You know, they can't even look at you. You're so embarrassing that they can't, like, just... Oh. I think, though, from the body language, that they were gonna strike out anyway. You I think? think they would well, have. They, were... no, they came out too strong, too fast. One of them was wearing a toga. Right. The toga is not the problem. It was the attitude. That's the problem. Open carrying. Oh, yes. Open carrying. Also a little bit. Ugh, not really into that. That potential embarrassment of the dialogue that they had there was enough to keep me from asking most of the girls out that I ever even wanted to consider (laughs) asking out at any given point in time because I did not need to feel that level of embarrassment from just like the the giggling to the friends to walking away to just standing there like, all right, well. I think it's very brave of those girls because for me, I couldn't even imagine so openly rejecting somebody who's trying to come on to me because... Not only was I never taught how to say no, which is really fun, I also do not know how to not hurt somebody's feelings like that. Like, I aspire to be these women who can just coldly mock somebody and walk away and not be, I don't know, afraid of getting (laughs) murdered later, but... These women are brave. These women, they're traversing new terrain for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, so my problem was I never really internal and like learned to internalize why anybody would ever say yes. Like, I'm like, this proposal that I'm offering is just garbage on its face. Like, there's no reason that anybody (laughs) should take me up on this. I don't, I don't understand why you would. I mean, I'd like you to, but I, I have no compelling reason for it. It'd be rad if you did. Right. I, I have been in a situation, though, when a guy came up to my friend and I, and he started doing stuff like that. He went. He actually did this. Are you ready for this? He went on his cell phone, <laughs> and he was like, hey, sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm talking to two beautiful ladies in front of me. 
and we didn't know what to do, so we just started laughing. Like, not, not like, ha-ha laughing, like, ah, kind of laughing. Because we didn't know how to respond to that. We were just... How do you? Yeah. We were just laughing, and he we kept laughing until he went away, because we were like, thanks, okay. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't know how to, we didn't know how to, what to say or what to do. That is very brave of him because I absolutely cannot approach a stranger with even a reasonable request. Like, do you know how to get to this location that I desperately need to be at? I have a meeting in five minutes. Right. I can't find it. I would still rather just walk around aimlessly before approaching a stranger. Right. Let alone that that being, hey, you're physically appealing. Would you like to spend more time with a complete stranger who you, I don't know what your opinion of me is. I will commend his bravery, though. He was very brave, very confident. We were just too socially awkward to say, we'd like to be alone. So we just giggled. And and he just stayed there for a lot longer than I'd like to admit. Like, he just stood there. You two were the future babes in his Bill and Ted's moment. And he probably just continued the rest of his badass day going on his crazy adventure (laughs) thinking, man, these two babes really lost out on me. You know, probably. I hope he's doing well, though. I hope he's still confident. The thickest possible skin, just not, just giving zero fucks. Just, you, yeah, no, yeah, all right, fuck it, I'm gonna go. I commend those people. In all fairness, that's how I live a lot of my life, is I just say, fuck it, okay, here I go. Right, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it takes people longer to reach that point. You're probably living a happier life when you get there, but that the process of getting there is just so painful because either you're there or you're not mm-hmm. there's no in between you can't be like oh I, I felt that one a little bit like no you deeply internalize all of it or you're yes. like fuck it like that's, there's only two there's only two sides of that coin that's true and that's an adventure all in its own and we are getting very deep for this podcast oh, for real <laughs> jesus that, remember that time billy the kid and socrates got turned down by a couple of girls in a mall in 88 <laughs> Good times. Oh my god. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> so they bring them to do a Hall of President style oral report on what these guys think of, of San Dimas in 1988. And they all think it's bitchin' and it's a pretty cool place to be. And then they disappear and make the future wonderful, however it is they're going to do it. Maybe someday they'll learn how to play their futuristic flying V guitars and uh, oh and the babes come back and they join the band and they're all terrible the babes do come back and I thought that was very catching I was so happy that they were terrible because for a moment for a split second I was (laughs) about to like shit on all of them be like how do they know how to play piano how do they know how to do drums and then they just they went for it and I was like thank (laughs) you I love the visual of that one princess on the piano and she's just hitting one note and she's just doing it (laughs) over and over again but she has the biggest smile on her face because that's me playing the piano I'm hitting look (laughs) in 30 years we have gone from people who don't know how to play their instruments recording videos of themselves not being able to play their instruments well back to people don't know how to play their instruments and recording videos of not knowing how to play their instruments well for re-air for people yes history has definitely repeated itself i mean i've tried to play many instruments and i've stuck with it for maybe a day and a half at the longest right so props to these medieval women for giving it a shot so then you'll be like uh we get a call van halen on this Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they didn't bring in Van Halen at the end. I really thought that's what was going to be the wrap-up for this story, but, you know, whatever. So are you familiar with Bill and Ted's bogus journey? No, actually, I didn't know anything about it until I was researching the movie afterwards, and even then, I didn't do a very deep dive on it. I only The only thing I know past this movie is there was like an animated series of it, and there was a... Oh, God, there, there was, was wasn't there? And there was a meme going around from it that it was like... like what color is an orange again? And that was Ted saying it. And then Bill, right. he goes, you bonehead. Orange is the same thing as the name, just like a lemon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, in the sequel, which came out a couple years afterwards, which is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, they took the idea like this is still a pretty straightforward story of like two airheads in getting up to science fictiony bullshit. So in the sequel, they get up to science fictiony bullshit to like the nth degree. Like whereas this was straightforward, like, you know, we go back to these historical times, they go forward, like they play board games against death because they die at one point. They meet all of these like various alien species. They're replaced by androids at one point, I think. It is completely off its rocker. And how many years after the original film is that? Do we know? It was two. And now, Bill and Ted Face the Music, I think, was supposed to come out this summer. They've filmed a third one now. Is it? I did see that while I was doing my research on it. And I have to say, I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> I would leave them. They're young, beautiful. It's mostly because I don't, wa- I don't want the illusion to be broken for me. Right. That's not hot anymore. I don't want to see Alex Winters now. <laughs> he look. He actually looks good. Well, he was in that one commercial for Walmart, I think, where he was doing his... He was? Yeah, he was doing his oh. bill, bill roll. Right, he was doing the bill uh-huh. thing. He looked pretty good in that. You know, my generation is having to deal with a lot of this shit. Like, <laughs> it's like we... What are what the hell are we doing? I think everybody, every generation reaches that phase, and this is how we're reckoning with it. It's like, oh, this shit is weird. We didn't do anything we thought we were gonna do. I don't know. It'll be, I think it'll be interesting. I do have a recast schedule here. If you wanna hear, ooh, what do you think? Okay. Yeah, it was hard to do it with more modern actors because I feel like they're all so serious these days. So we're gonna go mm-hmm. back just a little bit. And for Bill, I put a young Shia LaBeouf. I think he would do wonderful okay. in that. I could see that. Yep. And uh, for good old Teddy, I think a young Ashton Kutcher would kill that role. Like a uh, that '70s show, Ashton Kutcher. Dude, where's my car? Was very much in this vein. Oh yes. And uh, for Socrates, I could see Mel Brooks killing it in that role. <laughs> oh yes, just unintelligible. Just shaking his head the whole time. Really a lot of facial acting going on. Mel Brooks would destroy it. I think you could take any two of the Chris's and that would be an interesting, uh, that would interest you an interesting version of it. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Chris Hemsworth in the Ghostbusters movie from a couple of years ago. I thought he was absolutely fucking hilarious in that. He would be, I don't know, he'd be too, like, actually, I would love to see him in a crop top. Now that we're talking about this. Did either of you see the Ghostbusters one, the new Ghostbusters that came out a couple years ago? I have, yes. I don't think I've ever seen a Ghostbusters movie, to be completely honest. Ooh, that'd be a good one. So he plays a himbo in the Ghostbusters remake, and holy shit, West! if you are a fan of himbos, just go <laughs> go to YouTube and find the clips of him of Chris Hemsworth from Ghostbusters and then you can text me your appreciation after you watch it. Okay, that is exactly what I'm going to be doing today. If we could just make a collection, like every couple of months, we watch a movie that really plays into my fixation. <laughs> I would be so happy. I would research the shit out of those movies. I would have thesis essays prepared for those movies in particular, because I am so passionate about the himbo culture. <laughs> Welcome to West's Himbo Corner. <laughs> So does this movie hold up 30 years after it was made? Minus that one particular phrase after a very heartfelt hug. That one thing that we're going to Lucas that out. That one thing yes. we're going to Lucas out. I yeah. think it does hold up very well. It's it's a very fun comedy. I loved it. I totally agree. I think that this is one that can stand the test of time just because in a lot of ways, young people have not really changed. We still, even if it's ironic, we still use the same kind of lingo. I certainly say rad and excellent a lot more than I would <laughs> like to admit. I think it's just funny and it's very wholesome. Yeah. Blurs aside, it's very sweet and it's a good time. I am actually, I still have it rented for the next 12 hours and I am going to rewatch it today. Nice. I mean, I like the genre of, you know, normal people getting into high concept science fiction bullshittery, which this definitely is. Oh, yes. I like it for my own personal reasons, obviously, but I also think that even though a lot of people in like the critiques on the movie said 
that it was lazy, ineptly, an inept comedy. I think it is very funny in the way that it is just kind of a nudge at stoner surfer culture at the time that is still very prevalent today. I think it's hilarious. I think if you just turn off your brain and have a good time, you'll enjoy it. But if you overthink it, you're just going to dig yourself into a little mind hole. And it's going to... Yeah, that's bogus. It's bogus. To the max. Bogus. <laughs> and so it sounds like both of you would still recommend this movie as a formative piece. I mean, so the other question that we typically ask is what were, you know, what were people thinking with this? Like what's your what's your impression of the era based on this movie? It feels like a genuine kind of snapshot of what I assume 1987 was kind of like. I think the style was probably accurate. I mean, obviously, I cannot attest to how on point it truly was, but when I think of the 80s, and especially the late 80s, early 90s, I see a lot of this movie in it. And I don't think that they were too... I don't think they missed the mark on what teen culture is truly like, no matter what era that you're in. And I think they were just trying to put something out there that was just like a fun summer. Right. I think if uh, real life was accurate to this movie, it would be most excellent. Myself. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm learning. You have to exercise those ghosts of the past. So, you know, you move away from just being like, God, God damn it, Ted. Would you learn to play your instrument to embracing Ted for who he is? Embrace the Ted. The Come Ted. on. I, I'll, I'll tell you, I've embraced a Ted-like person and goodness. <laughs> didn't go well did not go well well that's it for this episode of late to the party for bill and ted's excellent adventure thank you for listening be sure to subscribe to us if you found us randomly wherever you might get your podcasts as always you can send us money through anchor that's cool because you know we're doing this shit for free as it is right now nobody pays us up front and we will we'll see you again in a month or so in the meantime be excellent to each other and um party on dudes party on bye see you later bye